All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, I'm working now. How about the Incredible Hulk, the 70s show? And I know Sarah's glad to see that for the last time. We've been watching it for the last month. She's like, can you please turn that on? It is terrible. Those graphics are terrible. Like, come on, it's the 70s. You're not going to have 2008 and 2010, all those graphics and CGI they got. So, the Incredible Hulk, uh, I'll give you a little backstory on him. His, uh, his name is Dr. Bruce Banner, and the show was David Banner, but they changed it to Bruce Banner in the original comic. Uh, Bruce Banner was a scientist that was working for the government and coming up with a secret formula for a thing called the fictional gamma bomb, or the G-bomb as they called it. And uh, he's been working on it for a little while, and uh, they're like, you know, it's a little dangerous that you're the only one who knows how to use this bomb and what it does. So we want to, you know, we want to test it out. So he's like, all right. And uh, an army from the, uh, or a general from the army came out. They were out in this testing site out in the middle of the desert. And they were getting ready to try it out. They're like, all right, hit the, hit the countdown. It's a 10, 9, 8. And all of a sudden, out the corner of his eye, he sees this boy running into the middle of the testing ground. And he's like freaking out. He's like, pause the countdown. He runs out to go get the boy. Well, the guy running the countdown didn't really like David Banner. He was like, well, this is my chance to off the guy, and then maybe I'll get more attention, and maybe my inventions will get more attention. So David Banner, or Bruce Banner's running out there, and he's going to get the boy. He's like, stop, stop. It's a testing ground. Get out of here. And it's countdown seven, six, five. He gets to the boy, pulls him, and throws him into a protective crevice before he can jump in there and save himself. Bang. G-bomb goes off. Bathed in gamma rays. He wakes up, and he doesn't know if it's hours, days, months later. He just knows he wakes up, and he feels really strange. And he looks over, and he sees this boy laying there, Rick Jones. It was the boy that he worked to save later, or earlier. And he just, he's like, something is wrong with me. I'm not feeling very well. So he starts talking to the boys, you know, saying, you know, what were you doing out there? Being a boy, a teenage boy, his friends had dared him to jump the fence and run out there, and that's what boys do. We get dared, we go do dumb stuff. So he's like, as he's talking to him, sunset comes, and you notice he's starting to feel really strange then. And all this suppressed rage and just anger about his alcoholic, abusive father started to come up, and it started to change. His arms are beefing up, and his shirt's getting real tight, kind of like Taylor Lautner in all those Twilight movies. So the shirt rips off, jeans tear, turns green. Well, actually, it was gray in the original comic. The green came later. And all of a sudden, he's this huge, gray, green later monster. He jumps up, grabs the boy, throws him at the wall and says, Get out of my way, you insect! Then he turns around, wall, as you've seen in the awesome graphics and that, makes his own entranceway to the hospital. Jumps out, he's out in the middle of the road, and here comes a military jeep bearing down on him. They're like, What is that thing? We're going to hit him. Stop, stop. Before they can stop, he just lowers his shoulder, man, and just destroys that jeep. Out into, the din- out into the distance, you hear, out runs the Incredible Hulk. As you've seen, that was an old 78 uh, video from the 78 version of the Incredible Hulk, and they came out with a movie in 2003 with Eric Bana. That was a terrible movie. Don't watch it. I'm just going to tell you right now. Then, earlier this week, me and Sarah bought the 2008 version with Edward Norton. We only got to watch it once because Sarah thought Edward Norton was hot, and I threw it out. But uh, in, that version of the, in that version of the Hulk, Edward Norton 
he looks at he he knows he has this in him and he's like, man, I have to learn how to control this thing. It's like there's this monster inside of me and I have to learn to control it. You know, and if there's an easy parable for any superhero or anything in our world that compare that has a spiritual meaning, Hulk is it. Here in Romans 7:18, I mean, it talks about the Hulk inside of us. Romans 7:18 says, I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. Here it is. The sin within me is doing it. We all have the Incredible Hulk inside of us. How many people have ever seen the Hulk and related to it and saying, man, the Hulk is living inside of It rears itself in a different way among us. Or in a, it rears its head in us in different ways. Uh, there's passive-aggressive. You know, those, those are the people who usually like, oh, man, I want to say that to that person, but I'm not going to. But it's going to come out one day. And then there's that overly aggressive guy filled with rage, and he's just out there busting heads all the time. You say one thing to him, he's just like, Rah, rips his jeans, turns green. <laughs> have, have you ever felt like there was something inside of you that was just like, man, do not let this thing get out of control. Don't make me angry. Like you said in there, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Now I want to ask you some things about your temper. Just don't raise your hand, don't do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to out yourself on the way you deal with your temper. When, you're, when you get angry, is it usually followed by straight up yelling and cussing? No raising your hand, Bo. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm angry and somebody's about to hear me. Number two, have you ever gotten so angry that you had to hit, throw, or break something? With me, when Rock Band 2 came out, when I had the PlayStation 2, many of those guitars met my wall, floor, outside, and the bottom of my foot. I just had to, I had to break it. I couldn't master or carry on my wayward son by Kansas. Couldn't do it. Number three, have you ever been so angry that you had to shove or hit somebody? I mean, you just you get so full of anger that you, you just have to hit somebody, and that gets really dark. Number four, do you remember irritating moments from your past and get mad all over again? I mean, you're just driving down the road, and you're like, man, I cannot believe she said that back to, that to me in 1995. You get mad all about it over again. It's 15, 20 years later, however long, and you're just like, man. I can't believe she said that to me. You're mad at her. You're mad at her all over again. I'm talking about my mom, by the way. <laughs> Number five, when someone cuts you off in traffic, do you flash your lights, honk your horn, and yell out loud by yourself in the car? Sarah. Um, <laughs> that's pretty bad if you're, you're so mad you're yelling at yourself and flashing the lights and they're just driving on and having a good day and you're just like, I'm going to catch up to them and I'm going to let them have it. You'd rear in them if it didn't cost you your insurance. Number six, final one. Do you find yourself planning angry speeches on your way to work? How about when someone shows up late or drops the ball at work on something and your whole project is destroyed? These are the passive-aggressive people. They're driving to work and they're like, and when they show up, I'm going to point my finger in the face and I'm going to say this. They show up and they're like, hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? Was it really good? Awesome. You're awesome. A uh, little backstory on me. I'm Dwayne's son-in-law. I met Sarah when we went to uh, college in 2008. And I wasn't really angry in college. I had kind of got 
myself in control of that. But in high school, I got told that if I got in another fight, I would be uh, going to a different high school because you could look at me wrong and the head was going down. And you can ask Donnie Billman next time you see him in seventh grade. I was angry and a punk. I saw the hallway in the principal's office more than I saw him in math class. But I mean, I, I, was, I was a decently angry kid. Uh, I grew up with my grandma. My grandma and my godmother raised me because my, uh, my mom and dad split up when I was six months old and I went to live with them. And, you know, something that really made me angry was, you know, my, my dad wasn't really there. He was, he was a best friend and my mom was kind of a, more of a best friend. And that, that's a hard thing to deal with when you're growing up, especially as a boy. Um, so I learned to get in control. And then uh, a couple months ago, I noticed I was starting to get really angry again, really, really angry. Um, about, what was it, about a month ago at Walmart, Sarah? About a month ago? Me and her were having a great day. It's Sunday, you know, came from church and learned about Jesus, and I was feeling really good. Walking with Taylor in my arms, we're putting him in this little thing. He's, he's crying. I'm like, yeah, he's ready to go to sleep, so we're going to get to, you know, sit back and watch a movie and have a real good night. Start to back up, and I hear, and that was not a car horn honking. That was somebody yelling something at us. I just bleeped it out for you. I looked back in the, in the mirror, and then I looked back at the person to make sure I saw what I saw. This dude's holding his hand up, and it, it's not just the you know, rock-on fist. He was doing something else. And I was like, all right. I've done really good with this in the past couple of months. I'm just, just going to drive on. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to turn around and let this dude have it. So I backed up, pulled up, and was like, son? Well, no, I didn't say son. That sounds weird. That's what I wanted to say. Sound how I'm a father, so I can sound real authoritative sometimes. I went, sir, did you say that to my wife? And he goes, no, I don't even know you. I was like, all right, cool. Problem averted. He goes, but what if I did? <laughs> what if you did? <laughs> I'm going to jump out of this car and rip your head off. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. And then uh, we go on, we, we exchange some more words, and start to feel that Hulk rage up inside me. I'm, I'm about to go in there and buy a green shirt so I can rip the white one off and turn green and knock your head off. But I did it. I just said, all right, whatever. Turned the other cheek and took off driving. Me and Sarah didn't talk to each other for an hour or two that night just because I knew if I talked, I was going to let the Hulk out and it was going to be on the wrong person. Now, two weeks later, I'm a Mac guy. I can't run Windows. I'm just Windows stupid. It doesn't work for me. Dwayne's a big Windows guy, so I can't go to use the computer at his house. I'm sitting there in our new house. We just moved, and uh, my grandma and my godfather came over, and they were wanting me to post up on Craigslist to sell for them. And uh, my Mac just, it got one of those big viruses that just came out for Mac, like one of 600,000 people to get it. I got it. And they go in the other room, and they just hear, they come into the visual of me hitting my Mac with my fist, slamming the screen down. I'm like, work! Why won't you work? And they're like, man, it's a $1,500 computer, man. Don't break that. I'm like, it's not working. And I'm about to go throw this thing out in Sloan Street and let a car run over it. And that's what I knew, man. The Hulk is alive inside of me. It's, it, it was back. And I had to meet with Dave. I meet with Dave every Monday night. And, or, yeah, Monday night at McDonald's and we talk about stuff. And I was like, there's some things going on, and I'm, I'm starting to lose it. And I really wanted to say, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. 
And like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we have the Hulk living inside of us. Uh, one is abuse, physically, mentally, or sexually. Sometimes that happens. Um, bad parents, bad fathers, absent parents. Something with me, you know, my dad never told me I was a man, you know, because he was a friend. He didn't know how to say that. I had to grow up and learn how to shave by watching my, my godmother shave her legs. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just shave my legs like you. It doesn't work like that. So YouTube, that, sh- that taught me how to shave. YouTube is a really good father tool, <laughs> as long as you have a safe filter. <laughs> but the number one reason why is a uh, three-letter word. It's called sin. Sin is a major factor for us having the Hulk living inside of us. Um, and how do we battle the Hulk? 30 seconds. Let me solve your problems. 30 seconds. Just kidding. I can't do it in 30 seconds. I'm not an old-time preacher. I'll bring you up here and smack you on the head. Jesus will save you. <laughs> I need some more laughter because I'm nervous up here. Come on, guys. <laughs> but how do we untie our knots? Anger and stuff like that is a knot in our lives. I say use experts. Two experts I know of. Not Dwayne and David. Jesus and God. Here, right here, is one of the best tools. The Bible. It talks so much about anger in here. I didn't, I didn't even know until I started you know, going through writing this sermon. Before, I had about 18 of these little sticky notes in here, and I was like, i got to cut it down. I'll talk for like seven hours. And it'll be seven hours. Uh, I don't need you anymore. You're the first page. Anyways, in the movie, the good one with Edward Norton that Sarah's not allowed to watch, Dr. Banner uses a heart monitor for a watch, and he knows that when the rate gets to like 200, I think it was, you know, it's, it's beep, 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 beep. When it starts beating real fast, he's going to change. And uh, he has to learn how to control his heart rate and his emotions to keep the Hulk from coming out. There's a scene in the movie where he's, uh, he's running through this foreign city, and these soldiers are after him. They're trying to capture, capture him and take him back and run tests on him. He's running through, and he's just like <sighs> getting that breathing technique down as he's running like parkour all through, jumping over buildings and walls and getting chased by these guys. And it's just beep, 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 beep. He gets into this little factory, and they corner him, and some bad guys from earlier start hitting him. He goes down, and better, than, better graphics than the TV show, but his eyes turn green, and, man, here it comes. Hulk came out. What are the... What are things we have to do to calm ourselves and keep the monster from coming out? Well, the Bible, you know, there's short-term answers and there's long-term answers. The Bible gives some really good tips. And uh, Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And uh, within that, I found a formula. It's a formula for bitterness. It's A plus 1 equals B. Anger plus one night's sleep equals bitterness. A lot of times, you know, you have a you have a beef with somebody, and you want to, you know, you just want to hold on to it. You go to sleep, you wake up the next day, and you're like, I'm not so angry, man. I do not like them, and I'm gonna let them know it every day. I'm gonna be very short to those people. Me and Sarah, you know, sometimes when the baby's screaming and stuff, we'll we'll get a little angry right before bed, but we always like to look at each other. Usually she's the one to do it because I'm very prideful and I don't like to say I'm sorry first, but uh, she'll just look over me and go, love you. I'm like, love you too. <laughs> we don't talk about it anymore after that, but we know I love you, I love you too. Last thing we say before bed 
it's over. We don't have it in our hearts anymore. That's the best thing to do. Don't ever go to sleep angry at somebody, especially your wife or your husband. Uh, let's see. Bitterness gives Satan a foothold, kind of like a salesman. I used to be a shoe salesman. Give me an inch, I'll take a mile. Same with the devil. Give him an inch, he will take a mile. Somebody used to say they liked the shoe. I'd push that shoe until they bought it. You let Satan come in and say, you know, I'm going to be angry at that person for one night. You'll be angry at them for months, maybe the rest of your life. Um, some of the long-term solutions that you can use is a, it's a hard one. Very, very hard, but it's the best thing you can do. Same thing that uh, God kind of did for us. It's uh, forgiveness over and over and over again. Forgiveness is uh, something to do, like say, you know, somebody is mad at their uncle because they did something to him when they were you know, younger. Every day they're going to have to wake up and make that conscious decision to say, I'm going to forgive him. But then sometimes you're like, I don't want to forgive him. Why should I forgive him? He's like, you know, you th- God wants you to know that you forgive him not for him. You forgive him for yourself so you're not angry at him every day. Because forgiveness, if you think about it, is not really for the person who does something wrong. They're doing all right whether you forgive them or not. Forgiveness is usually for the forgiver, not the forgiven. That's, that's something I've found out quite true in the past couple months. It's, it's really for you and the other person. In uh, Matthew 18, they talk about that. Good old Jesus is talking about it. I've learned to really love that guy in the past couple of months. He is he's the best teacher. Like Dwayne, sorry. <laughs> he kind of trumps you on that one. Matthew 18, the story of the unforgiving debtor. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I think it's kind of funny. He was just like, oh, seven times? Yeah, seven times. Good. Seven times, Jesus? Jesus is like, no. It's like 70 times seven. I don't know how, many time, how much 70 times 7 is, because my math is terrible. But uh, it shouldn't just stop at 70 times 7. Because it's, he was kind of saying that, say, you know, there's no certain number you should forgive someone. It should just be an ongoing thing until it's, it's gone. You know, forgive somebody until you can pray for them, pray good things, that they you know, have a better life, meet a good spouse, and stuff like that. He goes on to say, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had, to, he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him what had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. And here's this scary verse in the Bible. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. The same grace you give to people around you that have sinned against you, the same grace your father will give to you. So if you don't forgive people, the dude upstairs isn't going to forgive you. And that's, that's scary because I've, I've held grudges for people, people that I can't even talk to anymore. 
And that kind of scares me a little bit. When I started reading this, I was like, I hope they're on Facebook because I've got a message them right away. Uh, another great tip to use is never allow yourself to say that you hate that person. If you say it, you'll find that every time it leaves your mouth, you will love saying it more and more. It's kind of one of those bittersweet things. You're like, hate that dude. Hate it. Makes me feel good. Makes you feel powerful. It gives you the. It makes you feel like you have power over that person when you say you hate them. Um, it makes you. Mm, yeah, I just read that. That's cool. <laughs> Jesus had this crazy, crazy thing. He said, "It's it's a it's a common thing to say love your neighbor, or hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies." Man, there's one thing I could take him, keep Jesus from saying to be that because that's that's really hard to do. Someone you know, smacks you in the face. And you're like, I want to smack him back, but you just gotta love him. Another thing that, uh, to keep from doing is venting. Sometimes we're like, yeah, it's healthy to vent. It's real healthy to vent, uh, but not really, because usually when you're venting, you go to your friend, somebody, a third party, who doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about, or, you know, that was in the fight, and you're just like, I'm going to let out some steam here, and it's going to feel really good. But you really should be going to the person you have the problem with and be talking it out with them. We all like to vent because it lets us be out of control and lets us justify our anger by saying, oh, it's cool, I just had to vent to someone. But if you read in Proverbs Proverbs 29.11, which you want to become a man, read Proverbs. I love that book. That's the first book I read in the Bible from front to back. Love that one. Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Ultimately, we know forgiveness has happened when you know you can wish the best for that person and honestly mean it and keep your venting to yourself. But I've kind of been talking about the Hulk as a bad thing. You know, that anger you have inside of you can be very good. It can be a really, really good thing. Because the Hulk isn't so much thought of as a monster. If you think about the Incredible Hulk, he's kind of thought of as a superhero. Usually when Bruce Banner is getting mad and turning green, ripping his jeans, he's getting mad over something that's worth getting mad over, injustice. You know, you see plenty of people getting hurt in there, and he's, you know, they're in an alleyway getting mugged or something like that, and he runs in there. Dun, 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 dun. Eyes turn green. It takes like 20 minutes for him to change into it in the movie show or in the TV show. I don't know how he ever changes in enough time where they're like surprised that he's there. <laughs> but uh, there's a really cool story that I read about Teddy Roosevelt, one of our presidents. Um, he was a Sunday school teacher at an old-fashioned church, and this boy came in. He had a black eye. Uh, this just made me laugh. Came in, had a black eye, and Teddy Roosevelt's like. What's wrong with your eye, man? Why, why is it all black? And he's like, well, this, this bigger kid was outside, and he, uh, he was pinching my sister. I went over and told him to stop, and he pinched her again, so I fought him on Sunday, nonetheless. <laughs> so he came in, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt sat there and kind of thought about it, and he goes, good job. Gave him a dollar. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt got fired for that. They're like, no, we can't put up with that. And after that, man, he kind of he wrestled with it because he's like, you know, that's in the Bible, you know, anger is a good thing. Jesus is saying that, uh, which we quote a lot in the church, is turn the other cheek. Jesus said if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn your head and offer them the other one. But the Bible also says protect the weak. Now, I'll admit most of the times this isn't, a, this isn't a court setting when someone's getting taken advantage of or, you know, being wrongly accused or something. But the Bible says stand up and protect the weak, the poor, the widows, and the fatherless. This is what godly people do. You stand up and speak when no one else will. 
Uh, another example is, you know, kids at school. If, if there's somebody that you're at your school that's sitting at a table by himself, doesn't really have any friends, if Jesus went to your high school, I bet you he wouldn't be sitting with the football players and stuff. If he's sitting with that dude over there dressed in all black and has no friends, that's, that's who he'd sit with because that's who he hung out with in the Bible. He didn't hang out with the religious people. He hung out with the sinners. And, you know, there was this kid in my, in my high school, Kyle Nation, and I don't really talk about it that much because uh, it kills me. This goes along with what I'm about to talk about. Kyle Nation had a, a mental handicap, or he was mentally handicapped, and uh, kids used to pick on him. And I never really said anything. You know, one time I poked fun, I feel terrible for it, but uh, Kyle, after we graduated high school, graduated by himself. I think he may even have one friend, and he got hit by a car. And I found that out when I was working midnights over at uh, Sobic in Mount Vernon. And it still kills me that I didn't ever stand up for him. I didn't use my anger when other people talked, you know, talked down to him, made fun of him. I didn't use that good anger to stand up for him. And holding back tears because I'm trying to be manly man, not cry in front of you. <laughs> but uh, it's, that's, that's what leads me into righteous anger. It's not a word we hear a lot in the church. There's a sense that, yes, our Hulk anger can be seen as a monster that needs to be controlled. There are things that we should, not get, that we should get angry about, like injustice and things like that. Things that make us say, someone does need to stand up and say something about this. Someone needs to stand up and say something about it and use their superhero anger. Because righteous anger equals superhero anger. That's what the superheroes use when they go out and fight evil. When people are being wrong, they get that superhero righteous anger to go out and stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. In uh, Romans 12:9, it says, Abhor what is evil, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. That's why I felt a little justified arguing with that guy at Walmart. Because I was like, I, I'm right. I'm righteously angry about this because you don't talk about my wife like that because I'll thump your head and ask, ask for your name later. <laughs> I mean, Sarah wasn't scared of him. She's a little firecracker. She's over there, let me hit him, let me hit him. I'm get on this car. I'm like, Taylor's in the back. You'll go to jail. Stop. I, I was scared for the guy. Not because of me, because of her. She's like, I've been in the Air Force. I went through training. I can kill him in three seconds and nobody will see me. Like, you're not faster than cameras there. <laughs> we can't hate people, but we can't hate the sin they commit. That is what you use righteous anger for. You don't use it to hate people. You use it to hate what they do that is wrong. Going back to Ephesians 4.26, that first part of it says, Don't sin by letting your anger control you. This is saying anger in itself is not wrong, but there are ways you can act out in your anger that is sinful. Jesus had righteous only home. I skipped a point. I can't even, I'm glad I didn't write this out because I skipped 20 points. My handwriting is terrible. <laughs> There's some anger that can be used in a righteous way or can be controlled and say, okay, I'm not going to do anything that I shouldn't do even though I am getting angry here. But I'm going to get angry at what they are doing to hopefully turn them to Jesus and show them that I can use the right anger to keep them from sinning. Now Jesus had righteous anger. And we're going to turn to John 2, and this is going to be my closer. I'm not going to stand up here and thumble through this the rest of the night. 
John 2, Jesus clears the temple. It was time for the annual Passover celebration, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. And he saw money changers behind their counters. Jesus made a whip from, rope, from some ropes and chased them out of, all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep, the oxen, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, turned over the tables, then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of, out of here. Don't turn my father's house into a marketplace. What's funny is uh, I have a really vivid imagination, and I have this Bible at home called the Action Bible. It's a comic book version of the Bible. I had to have it because I'm 10 years old at heart. And so it shows Jesus. I mean, he fashions this whip, and he's like, you don't have to go home, but you've got to get up out of here. And he's smacking whips. I mean, this isn't your Mr. Rogers Jesus. This is an angry Hulk Jesus. He didn't turn green, but I'd be scared of him. Let's see. Sometimes we need to act this way to be like Jesus. We need to rip our jeans and turn green, have righteous anger to be like him. Sometimes being silent is not the Christ-like thing to do. Sometimes the absence of anger is the wrong thing to do. Edmund Burke once said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Righteous anger. I know when the, was it the, the Westboro Baptist people, is that what they, they call themselves? The first thing that they call themselves a church angers me, but I try to keep that to myself. When they, when they, when they were going to come here, me and a bunch of the guys, we were like, at work, we were like, yeah, we're going to go and stop them from coming in here and doing all this stuff. We were going to get super soakers and shoot them with water all day long. <laughs> a little bit of the wrong way to handle it, but that was kind of righteous anger. I didn't, I didn't want these people coming in and spreading hate in Harrisburg. I'm not from here originally. I'm from Carmi, but you know, I've, I've grown to know all you people. And if you guys ever need anything, you know, out of the bottom of my heart, I'd help you do anything in, that you need. And uh, I wasn't going to let them come in and spread hate over Harrisburg and hurt us in the time we were hurting. And this is why I wrote this. Uh, a lot of the books in the Bible are kind of letters that the disciples wrote to other churches. And this is kind of a letter that I would send to you using the Hulk as a parable. Righteous anger. This is what makes the Hulk a superhero. This is what makes him say, okay, I have this thing, this extra power. I could use it for good because I'm bigger and more powerful than people. But I need to be under control with that. I need to honor God with that. I also need to stand up for the widows, the fatherless, and I need to defend the weak. I need to make sure that poor people are not being taken advantage of. Because maybe, I mean, I'm not talking about myself in first person, but maybe some of you have more money than other people, and that's the way you can use the Hulk. Is, you know, you, you help people who don't have anything, especially some of those people with, with this tornado. They don't, they've lost everything. And I know we've done a great job of helping them with that. You know, Dwayne, the past couple of weeks, we go over to his house. He's actually inviting us over to his house now that we moved out. <laughs> <laughs> but usually when we go over there now, it's like, hey, Dwayne, how you doing? I'm like, man, you need to give that cell phone up for a while. I tell Verizon to turn it off for a little bit. <laughs> back, back to the letter. A lot of times churches hear messages like this and the thing that they get outraged about is something someone else is doing. And I can just say, let the first application in your life is to get angry at the sin in your own life. You know, before you start making whips and cracking them and driving people out of places, take a look first inward and say, what is in my life that I need to get angry about? 
What is in my life that I don't want my kids to have passed on from me? Why do I need to go to Sunday school and build relationships with people and find out how to stop the patterns in my life? Why do I need to start forgiving daily? And why do I need to get a book on this thing that tells me about God's wisdom on dealing with anger and getting angry about that and say, man, God, change my heart. Change your guys' heart. Make me the Hulk as a superhero. Let's pray. God, you are good. And God, thank you for the honesty of the Bible. Thank you for the honesty of Jesus' life. That when he came, he is not what we have turned him in to be. He is not what people expected him to be at that time. And God, that we look to, we like to look at the safe picture of Jesus, but God, there were so many things about Jesus. He was a revolutionary. He came here to start a revolution. He was unpredictable at times, and he, he doesn't fit in our box neatly. He was a man of passion and a man that wouldn't stand for injustice. God, let us be more like Jesus. Let us understand what it means to be compassionate and love our enemies. Let us understand because it baffles our minds of what, of what it means to have someone strike us and say, you know, if it's for my ego or for my rage, I'm not going to throw a punch back. That's what you've called me to do. I'm going to take it on the other cheek. And God, help us comprehend that. God, I pray for the families that are struggling with anger. Probably every family unit represented in this room is struggling with it in some way. God, I just pray for a blessing on Dorisville that you would really help us start dealing with some of the stuff in, you know, in different healthy ways. And that, God, we will be a healthier people, a healthier community. Because of that, our relationships will get better. Our friendships will be cooler and stronger. And that we will have an impact on Harrisburg because of that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.